We Saved You a Seat is sponsored by the Oklahoma Family Network. Oklahoma Family Network focuses on supporting families of children and youth with special health care needs and disabilities, as well as families who have children with a mental health or behavioral health diagnosis. Oklahoma Family Network provides families with emotional support, resource navigation, parent-to-parent engagement opportunities, and wants to ensure quality health care for all children and families by building strong and effective family professional partnerships. Welcome back to We Saved You a Seat podcast with our special guest, Stephanie Taschel. Today is part two of our discussion with Stephanie as she continues sharing pieces of her family and their lives, raising sweet baby girl Lennox, who experienced a stroke while in utero just days prior to birth. If you've not had a chance to hear about Lennox's birth and diagnosis, please listen to the podcast just prior to this one titled Stroke Awareness Month Part 1 with Stephanie Tatchell. Now let's listen in as we continue our conversation and bring awareness to a day in the life of the Tatchells, her discussion about Tefra, private duty nursing, and so much more. Thanks for listening. You know, and I remember acting, you know, asking the neurologist at the time she gave us those scans, how does a baby survive this? Um, she has no brain tissue. How does she survive? Um, and the one thing that she, you know, that didn't get damaged in all of this, you know, the circulation issue that she had a couple of days after birth and the stroke she had in utero was that her brain stem is fully intact. Um, so that part of the brain is not damaged. It has no damage to it. Um, and so your brain, you know, your brainstem controls, you know, your, your heart rate, your blood pressure, your breathing, your sleep patterns, your, you know, awake and sleep patterns and all the things that are essential to, to living. Um, and so, you know, this, this trauma or this diagnosis is not what, you know, it's not, it's not life-threatening. Um, this is something that she will live, a, you know, a, lo- a, a life, you know, a long life on. Um, you know, what typically happens with these babies, if they're, you know, if their life is cut short is due to a complication, things because she's constantly laying down and can't move. Um, those are the things that, you know, that, that are going to be struggles for her, not, not her brain injury. Wow. That's, that's a powerful statement in itself that, you know, she, she can have a long life. Um, yeah, through this. yeah. It's now it's how do we, how do we quality of life this, you yes, know, and how yeah, do we exactly. make the best of that. So, so this is her life. Yeah. Why don't you walk us through a little bit of, or a lot, because I know this is yeah, this not right. a little bit, of therapy, right. but um, what, what does a day in her life look like? You know, talk about some of the therapies that she does. Yeah. And I'm just kind of curious if you could give us a really good image and picture of, of what that looks like. Yeah. So she has, um, so one of the things that is important for Linux is that we give her the opportunity to, um, you know, have the most optimal life that she can have. Um, you know, we know that, you know, that she will, you know, unless there's a miracle, she will never walk and she'll never talk. Um, and we will always be feeding her through a tube. Um, you know, but some of the things that we want to make sure, you know, that she, you know, is able to, you know, have, mu- you know, a little bit of muscle control, a little bit, you know, so she's not, you know, her muscles are not stiff. Um, she has OT therapy um, twice a week. Um, she has PT therapy twice a week. Um, and she also has speech therapy. So it's really not speech talking, but it's swallowing therapy. Um, and so we want her to, you know, we want her to experience 
the the you know the ice creams and the icings and the popsicles and the and in you know even though she can't take a lot of those one good thing about Lennox is that she can recognize when something's in her mouth um if you touch her lips she'll start smacking and so she can recognize those she just can't coordinate moving it to the back of her throat to swallow um and so like when we do you know suckers and stuff like she can you know she'll lick on it and and, and move her tongue around um, but you have to have her in a position where she, the, the, all that slobber and that sweetness will go to the back of her throat so that she can swallow it. Otherwise, it'll just, you know, drool out of her mouth. Um, you know, we'll feed her yogurts and, and, you know, things like that. But we just have to put them at the very back of her mouth. Um, and it's not necessarily for nutrition. It's to make sure that we don't lose that. You know, it's one of those things, if you don't use it, you lose it. Um, and so if we don't force her to swallow, we don't force her to recognize that things are in her mouth, um, she will lose that ability. And then we'll have complications with swallowing later, just saliva. And so um, we, we, we give her, and we want her, you know, like if that's the one thing that she can enjoy, we want to make sure we are able to give her those, you know, those fun things that we all love. Um, and so, you know, we don't give her the vegetables. We don't give her any of the stuff that like, you know, kids don't want to eat. We give her the stuff that tastes good, you know, and I think she really enjoys that. It's also a great bonding time for my son and her. Um, you know, my son, you know, will give her, you know, a, a sucker and he can hold it and, you know, have her suck on it. Um, and so that's a really bonding thing for him. Um, you know, we can also give her some of her medicines, you know, through her mouth. She can only do, you know, two or three meals at a time. Um, and we have to squirt it at the very back of her mouth, but it also just makes her practice. And so we don't want her to lose that swallowing um, because if that's the case, we're gonna end up on a trach or something, you know, that's gonna really put her in, in, in a worse position. Um, you know, there's, we think people, it, our life is hard. This is not anything we would want for our daughter, but you know, the things that we are thankful for is that she's not hooked up to tubes. She's not hooked up to oxygen. She's not on trachs. Um, you know, we can take her outside and we don't have to have all that stuff equipment with us. And, and that's just a testament to the fact that she was a full-term baby. Um, all of those things function other than her brain. And so um, that's, you know, that's one thing that we are thankful for is, you know, is that we're able to do, we're able to go take her to my son's baseball games because we're, you know, and we could take her with all of that equipment too, um, but that just adds an extra challenge. Um, you know, and so, um, you know, we, that's one of the things that, you know, we're glad that, you know, that we don't have to deal with all the other things that I know that some parents, you know, that's one of their biggest challenges is, is all the equipment. We don't have that challenge, which we're thankful for. Yeah. Sometimes moving that equipment from location even wants you to isolate even more. So the freedoms to be able to, exactly. to navigate and, you know, put her in a carrier or, or the stroller and, and right. be able to go is, is, is a freedom and luxury that not all parents have, but. Right, um, right, exactly. And, and, you know, and like you said, and, and so our day, you know, we have, she has a neurologist, she has a GI doctor, she has an ENT doctor, she has two pediatricians. Um, we have a neurologist. Um, and so, and because her case is so severe, um, we're not on six month appointments. Um, you know, we're on, you know, if, if, you know, there, and I think the other thing too is that with her, um, you have to be flexible because you're going to get, you know, deal with one thing and then another thing comes up. Um, you know, so like we're dealing with congestion. Well, then congestion led to having to take some more medicine, which then led to constipation. <laughs> that, you know, that because she's constipated, now she's in pain. So it's just a constant battle trying to, you know, get her 
to a life that's comfortable. Um, and so we're seeing these doctors on a regular basis. And so, um, you know, for, for us, I have a calendar in the hallway um, and it has, you know, all of our PT appointments, all, you know, every time we have a doctor's appointment, it has a doctor's appointment. And that's really what's kept me sane um, because I cannot remember all of this stuff all the time, um, you know, and, and we also, you know, just, we have, we actually have private duty nursing for Lennox that just started. Um, and so it's a lifesaver for her too, because she knows when the therapists are coming and, 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 um, all of that stuff. And, and so that, you know, that's a lesson that I've learned. That's, that's, I can't live without my calendar. It's like a running joke around her house. Like, hold on, let me go look at the calendar. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's definitely been life-saving. Um, so yeah, we're constantly going to doctors. Um, we actually don't live in Shawnee anymore. We've moved up closer to the city. We live in Choctaw now. Um, and that's just because, um, you know, the more, the more east out you get out of Oklahoma City or the farther you get away from a Tulsa, you, you kind of lose the ability to, to um, have easy access to therapists, um, therapists that are in network that can, you know, provide what we need to provide from an insurance standpoint. And so we've moved closer to Oklahoma City, which has really helped. Um, one of the things that's been really challenging too with Linux talking about these therapies and stuff is that um, there's not a lot of therapists out there that come to your home um, that are pediatric. Um, so yeah, there are places where we can take her, um, but it's really not in her best interest because she throws up so much. Um, and so, you know, we've, it's been really challenging to find OT that will come to the house, um, PT that will come to the house. Um, and we still have not yet to find a speech therapist that, you know, that will come out in home therapy for Linux, you know, with our insurances and, and kind of, you know, fits the whole, you know, the whole package for us. And so um, that's really challenging. There's, you know, a couple companies out there that that's all they do is in home. So that's really nice. Um, but it's, it's really hard to, to get them to come to our home and, and be able to service Linux here. Why don't you talk about a little bit of that private duty nursing and yeah. the challenges that you have, or maybe you didn't have any challenges as far as trying to find that fit, um, for your family. And yeah, kind of yeah. So yeah, private duty nurse, nursing. Absolutely. So one of the things that, uh, to kind of, um, you know, prefix that is, um, most private duty nursing is not covered by private insurance. So like, you know, our job. So, you know, Linux currently is on my insurance through my company. She's also on, on my husband's insurance through her, his company. And then we're also on Medicaid as a tertiary. And so the reason we're able to get on Medicaid, and, and I want to say one good thing about the, the NICU that we were in, um, is they prepared us. I knew every resource, I knew every financial resource, I knew every, you know, like social resource um, that could help us navigate this life. And so as soon as I got out of the hospital, you know, out, we got out of the hospital, um, I was, you know, calling people and figuring all this stuff out because I needed to understand how can we help her and, and try to get into a, a rhythm or our new normal. And, and that the state of Oklahoma offers is a program called TEFRA that basically is a secondary type insurance cover, uh, will pick up whatever the, your primary insurance doesn't, doesn't cover. Um, and so there's several things. And so being eligible for TEFRA allows you access to Medicaid. And that's in the state of Oklahoma, that's called Sooner Care. Um, so Sooner Care is, is, the, is Oklahoma's version of Medicaid. And so in order to get Medicaid, we have to apply for TEFRA. And so one of the things you have to, you know, to have to qualify for that 
is you have to go to the social security office and be denied. Um, and so that you're not getting federal benefits, you know, through social security for your, for your child. And so we went and did that. We got denied um, through social security. And then once we got denied, we went to the Department of Health, DHS services. And so we went to the Department of Health and, and kind of went in and, and talked to them and, and got like a counselor that could help us with the process. And so um, she gave us a packet. It had step-by-step -step all the things we need to do. I know it seemed pretty um, daunting to look at all that stuff. Like, how am I going to get all this information? But most of the, most of the doctors that deal with, with these, with these kiddos already know this program pretty well. And so they know what they need to write and what they need to provide to DHS in order to, to get the approval started. So one of the things you have to have the, the social security denial letter, and then you also have to make sure that your doctor can write, you know, if there's a physical physician's assessment that they have to fill out, it's, it's already a pre-populated form, but they have to go in and, and, and basically put in your child's diagnosis. And, and, and one of the other big, big terms of, of TEFRA qualification is, is your, is your kid sick enough that if they weren't to stay at home, um, they would have to be treated by um, uh, an institution or a nursing staff. Are they, are they sick enough where they would need um, some type of nursing care in order to, to provide the services that they need? And so for Linux, that was a pretty easy question for the doctor to answer because if we weren't able to take care of her, it's not like she could be taken care of through the foster system you know, or something else. She would have to go to some type of hospital um, to, to get, to be able to meet all of her needs. So for Linux, that was a pretty easy question. So the doctor just filled it out and put yes, you know, on, on that part of that portion of the form. That was pretty much what they need. They need, also needed her medical records. So we had to send over her medical records. Luckily, when we um, did this process, we had just left the NICU. So I had this huge packet of, of medical documents that I sent in. And so once we got all that um, sent into DHS, um, there's a specific, you know, department or a, really a lady that takes care of all of that. And so she, you know, reviews it all, the, the doctors um, review it all. And then you basically get an email that says you're approved and here's your Sooner Care or Medicaid number. Um, and so that was really important. So there was a couple of things we had to do to get qualified for TEFRA in order to get the Medicaid. But one of the things too with TEFRA is they go off, you know, because the reason she didn't qualify for social security was because um, our family made too much money because we both have full-time jobs. We made too much money for her to get social security disability. And so this program for Oklahoma is, you know, is great because it goes off the child's income as well as her diagnosis and her disability. Luckily we qualified for that because if we hadn't, you know, there's a lot of services that Linux would not be able to get just due to the financial restraints of insurance and, and the financial restraints of, of us being able to afford these services. So TEFRA has been a lifesaver for us. And, and, you know, I continue to advocate for that because I, in reality, you know, it, it's so important that she gets what she needs in order to have a comfortable and being, being able to have the TEFRA program that we qualify for, which allows us access to Medicaid has just been, you know, a blessing. Um, and so, Without that, we wouldn't have private duty nursing. And so we've just recently um, finally got private duty nursing in the last couple of weeks. There's only a couple of companies in the state of Oklahoma that can provide pediatric nursing. And so we've gone with one of them and they sent out nurses and we would interview them. And, and for us, we felt like the most important thing for us was a nurse that we could, that would fit into our family. They're going to be here, you know, as much as 
any of us are going to be here taking care of our daughter, interacting with our son, Tobias, um, here when we're having dinner. Um, so we really wanted someone that would fit into our family. And so we interviewed several people and we found a match. And so it's just been so reassuring and relieving to know that there's somebody that can take care of our, you know, our baby while we work and provide, you know, a life for Tobias as well, provide a life for me and my husband to have a relationship and be able to go on, on date nights and, and kind of get our relationship back on, on track. Um, you know, because when you have a sick child, your life is consumed by that child. And so you kind of lose sight of everything outside that bubble. Um, and so just having this private duty nursing for us is giving us nine hours a day back to our family um, where we can incorporate Linux, but we can also play board games with our son without having to be like, hold on, we got to go get Linux first. You know, we got to go take care of Linux. So it's been just a great blessing. I would absolutely love for you to talk about how you do incorporate Tobias in all of this and, and kind of what his reaction is, big brother to a, a, yeah. a little that that has some high medical needs. So yeah, absolutely. So, you know, he, you know, when we told him that he was going to get a sister, you know, he had, you know, just like all of us, we had these expectations for what that relationship was going to be and how he was going to teach her to ride a bike and teach her to throw a ball and teach her how to laugh and, and play peekaboo with her. And, you know, all the things that, you know, he wants to do with her that she doesn't react to. Um, you know, Lennox doesn't move her, you know, she, she can't voluntarily move her arm. She can't voluntarily move her legs. She can't voluntarily smile. Uh, we've seen a couple of smiles here or there, but it's a reaction to a seizure. Um, and so, you know, she's not, we don't get to see the happy side of Lennox um, very often. And so that was, you know, that's been really hard, I think, for Tobias too, is, is he had to kind of let go of these expectations. And so we tell Tobias that, you know, Lennox's brain is sick. And so, um, and so that she's not going to be able to do those things. And, and when we see somebody in a wheelchair, you know, or, or things where, you know, there's a disabled, you know, person, we explain to him that this is, you know, how your sister's going to be when she's older and, and just trying to prepare him a little bit for these things. And, and, um, but, you know, he loves her, you know, just the other, you know, when we had this private new duty nursing come in his first day, Lennox was sitting in, you know, her, she has this little chair that she can sit in that kind of, you know, helps her be in a sitting position so she can kind of see the world. And, and um, the nurse went over and was talking to her about, you know, just talking to Lennox and, and Lennox was kind of, you know, giving like some, um, some irritable noises, but that's how, you know, Lennox talks. And, and so Tobias went over to the nurse and was like, do not make her cry. That is my baby sister. And so he's just, yeah, he's so protective of her and he loves her. And, you know, she was sick last week. And so she was very, you know, irritable and crying all the time. And so he didn't really get to interact with her very much. And this week she's feeling better. And so he sat with her on the couch for like an hour and, you know, he just is talking to her and he just, you know, he loves her more than anything. And he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily completely understand the situation. He knows that she's, you know, sick. Um, he knows that her brain is hurt. Um, if you ask him what he wants to be when he grows up, he wants to be a scientist because he wants to fix baby sister's brain. Um, so he is very much involved in, in everything that we do and, and he'll feed her through her tube. Um, like I said, he'll do some of the feeding therapies and, and help us with that kind of stuff. And so um, he probably is, I feel like sometimes, you know, we, you know, we feel like we've got to give him more attention because Linux is such high needs, but I don't even know that he even sees her as that. 
Um, you know, this is what he knows as a, as a sister. And so he, you know, this is all he knows. He has no other siblings. And so um, that relationship is very special. Um, and it's not the relationship that I ever pictured, um, but it, it does, it does show you that, he, you know, he loves her regardless of whether or not she can show that he, she loves him back. Um, you know, um, he's not, he doesn't get that affection that you would normally get, you know, so, um, it, it's very, very special. And it's, it's something that we definitely try to document as much as possible, um, because, you know, there's only this fine age, you know, this fine age where he still has that innocent mind of her. Yeah. Oh, wow. That, that is a beautiful picture that you have created of Tobias and Linux together. I, I, and you're right. He sees her as his little sister. I mean, that's just, yeah. that's just Linux. That's Linux. Exactly. That's Linux. So, uh, so yeah. Yes. I'm curious what you're thinking. Um, what do you see for her future? I know even, you know, before we started kind of on camera and recording, we talked about how she's, she's still small, so you can still yeah. mobility wise, she's, right. you, you can help and do all of that. What do you see for her future? Yeah. So I think I I've learned that it's too difficult to think about her future, to be honest. Um, you know, I, I try to, you know, huh, makes me sad thinking about her future because it's not what I pictured. But, um, you know, that that's an important aspect of, of, of our situation is, you know, we're not going to see her get married. We're not going to see her um, go to prom. And, and, you know, I played college softball. My husband played college baseball. And, you know, my dream was to coach her in softball and and, you know, teach her that competitive attitude and, and, and just that, you know, all of that stuff. And I don't get to do that. Um, I'll never get to do that. And so I learned pretty early on in this process that I have to live one day at a time with her for, for me emotionally. Um, because if I start going down that rabbit hole of I'm not going to get to do this, and then it's like, I'm not going to get to do this, and then I'm not going to get to do this. And it becomes a very negative environment. Um, and so I don't think about her future as, you know, as far as like in the five, 10, 15 years. Now I think about next month and I, you know, those kinds of things and, and, and all that. Um, but I really try to stay in the present with her um, because it will, you know, emotionally, it's just too hard to go there. And they say, you know, one of the things that I, I really learned on early on in this process is that um, I had to grieve this child that I thought I was having. Um, I, I still to this day grieve that this is not, this is Linux, but this is not the Linux that I envisioned when I found that I was going to have a girl. Um, all these dreams and aspirations for her, that's, I had to grieve that. And I still grieve that when I see someone out in the store um, with their girl and, and they're fixing her hair or they're, you know, she, you know, the, the daughter saying, hey, mommy, let's go pick out, you know, lipstick or let's go pick out girls clothes. Like that's really hard to hear and to see. Um, and so thinking about those things in the future just makes it really difficult. Um, but, you know, in, in realistically, medically, um, right now we can take her out into public because we can still carry her. You know, she's still, you know, carryable. We can still carry her to a bath. We don't have to have her in a lift, you know. She's still in a regular crib for now, um, you know, but that's, that's becoming challenging. She's basically, you know, when you pick her up, there's, there's no help from her. And so she, you know, she's 28 pounds. Um, and so it, it is becoming more and more difficult 
Um, and, and those are bridges that will cross when we get there. But I know it's going to be a challenge. And, and one of the things that I, someone gave me advice, you know, early on, I said, what would you, you know, if you could go back to when your baby was a baby, what would you, what would you tell me? And the thing that they told me is go out and be in public with her for several reasons. And it's because one, people don't know she's sick. Um, she doesn't look sick. She doesn't look like she has this traumatic brain injury. And so that's easier. Um, and then also she's just way more mobile. Um, you know, her, her, her stroller or wheelchair looks like a stroller. Um, you know, she's able to, to go out and, and do things and, and we're able to, you know, we can still take her to a hotel. You know, we just went to Great Wolf Lodge as a family. And so we can take her and still do those things um, because she's so little, but we know eventually that's not going to be as realistic um, and as practical as it is now. So we really, I've taken that advice to, to heart. It is absolutely true that, you know, our life is going to change year by year. And so we have to live in what she can do right now and, and kind of, you know, manage, manage the expectations for now. And I think and, one of the other things too, that her diagnosis has really, really been an eye opener for her is so, you know, we, we had this 10 day scan um, and our lives obviously changed. And even, I even say to now, even when I see like there are, I have memories before Linux and, and I have a life after Linux. That's kind of how I feel. Um, when something comes up, I'm like, oh, that was, that was my perception on things before Linux. And this is my perception on, on that incident after Linux. And one of the things that, you know, is, is, is truly probably the biggest lesson I've learned is that you never know what's going on in someone's personal life. Um, like I said, it was a Friday. We got these this terrible news that our daughter would never walk, talk, eat, um, that we're going to basically have a severely brain damaged child that's going to live with us for the rest of our life. Um, and so we get this news on a Friday. Um, my husband, you know, we, we go home, you know, we go to sleep, we wake up the next morning and we would typically go to the NICU like seven, eight, you know, at shift change, which was like seven o'clock in the morning. And so my husband said, let's just take a couple hours and let's go get some, you know, get some, some breakfast at a restaurant. Let's just go sit and, you know, cause we hadn't really done anything normal, you know, since she had been born. And so we went and we're in this booth ordering breakfast and this, and, and I, and I was thinking at the time, no one around us knows this life changing news that we got yesterday. Nobody knows that. They think that, you know, we're just having breakfast as a couple. They have no idea. Um, you know, and the waiter's coming over to talk to us and he's all chipper and we're basically having to fake it, <laughs> you know. Um, but it just became very apparent to me that the, the, the world moves on. Life continues to happen outside of these diagnoses. Um, and so it, it really put into perspective that you just never know what's going on in somebody's life or what news they just heard or, you know, um, you know, what tomorrow brings for them. And so it just, I think about that a lot whenever stuff is happening, you know, you just don't, you have no idea. You know, even I'll be staying in Walmart and I'll be like, I have no idea why they need that medicine or I have no idea, you know, you just, so it's, it's put me in a, in a very humbling position. And I think for that, it's been good for our family and, and to teach Tobias too, that, you know, be kind, you know, you never know what people are going through. And, and, and that was, and I just use that analogy because it was the worst news that you could ever think of. And nobody around us knew their worlds were still turning. I'm going to kind of transition because you and I had a conversation kind of off the record beforehand um, about a DNR for Linux. Yes. Yeah. And, um, and I know you said you had asked to, to the, for the opportunity to kind of share yeah. your thoughts and feelings about that. And so I'm curious, maybe if we could talk about that a yeah. little bit, share what, what's been going on there. 
Absolutely. So that's something that I, you, I just don't hear people talking about enough. Um, and with Linux's diagnosis, um, you know, I, I hate the word, you know, brain dead is not the right word, but that's the word we hear a lot. Um, and it's not a word I like, but it kind of is the one that everybody kind of thinks about or can picture in their head. But she, her life is sitting on the floor, sitting in a chair. It's not having enjoyment. Um, like I said, we don't ever see emotion, you know, positive emotion very often. And if we do, it's very far in between. I think I've seen her smile two or three times and it was pretty much associated with something that was non-voluntary, um, you know, um, and so this is, it's a very tough life for her and it's not a great quality of life. We do the best that we can to make her happy and settled and, 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 and but you know, it, she, it's not a happy life for her. Um, and so one of the things um, probably around, you know, COVID, you know, started basically March of 2020 is kind of when we all were pretty aware of it. Um, and so in January or February of that year, she started having these incidents where she would just be so irritated that, you know, and, and I know that, you know, even healthy babies have this where they just cry so hard that they don't breathe. Um, and so Linux would have these, you know, these episodes, we would call them, where she would just stop breathing and just turn blue. And eventually she would take a breath, but you just had to sit there and hold her until she decided to take that breath. That became an incident when people would have to watch her. Um, I, you know, I would say, hey, she's going to have these episodes and, you know, she's going to turn blue, you know, don't freak out. She will take a breath. You just have to keep calm and she will do that. And so she was doing that pretty regularly. Um, and then in, you know, COVID hit and, you know, the big thing that was talked about is these, you know, these kids, these, you know, these adults that were getting COVID, they were having to put on, be put on vents. And so me and my husband, you know, I really, we really sat down and thought, you know, like, what would we do if, if Linux, because at that point you didn't even know, like, you just assumed at some point you were going to get COVID because it was just everywhere. You didn't know how to prevent it. You didn't know how to like not get it. So you just kind of had to prepare at some point you were going to get it. And so, you know, we thought, well, if Linux gets COVID um, and, and she was still pretty small, you know, she was, you know, she was only six, seven, eight months old, you know? So if she got it, would we want her to be put on a vent? And so it started this conversation and, um, you know, the thing, you know, the thing was, is we wanted to make a decision um, and not an emotional decision. We wanted to make a decision that we had talked about, you know, that we had plenty of time to talk about, plenty of time to think about the pros and the cons. Um, because when we were, if it were to happen and we were in that emotional situation, I didn't want to have to just say yes or no off the cusp. I wanted to have an educated, you know, a decision. And so at that point, me and my husband both talked about it and we were like, you know, we want, we would want her to pass from natural causes. We would want her to be able to, you know, and, and we're, you know, um, you know, we believe in God and we believe in miracles and we believe in those things, but we also believe that there's a plan for her. And so we didn't want medical intervention. If something were to happen to her and her heart stopped or she wasn't breathing, uh, we wanted the natural causes, you know, to take place and not have medical intervention, whether that was mechanical or me medicinal. Um, and so we really had to think about that. And, and, and luckily we were both on the same page because I can't imagine if you had one parent on one page and one parent on another, that would be a very, a very a more difficult conversation. Um, but we were both on the same page and we want, you know, we want Linux to, you know, the time that she can have here while she's here. Um, but if it is her time to go and, 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 and she, you know, needs to go, we want her to go peacefully um, without, you know, um, without the intervention of medicine. 
Um, you know, and I think that, you know, we had to start communicating that to, you know, doctors. Um, and, and we've had some really great doctors um, kind of give us support on that, counsel us on that. Um, and one great thing I will say is, is we have not been judged for that. Um, they have been very supportive. They know her diagnosis. They know, you know, what her life is going to, you know, they probably know better than us what the, what her life is going to be later. Um, because they have patients that they've seen, you know, go through, go through life. Um, and so they've been very supportive of that. They've, you know, they've, they've told us that they understand that. And so never once have they ever judged us or made us feel like we were less of a parent for making that decision. Um, they've given us all the resources that we needed to make those decisions. Um, they've provided us with the paperwork that we need. Um, and so I'm just really thankful that we had the support to get to that decision um, in a healthy environment. Where, where we were, you know, educated um, and it was in a very non-judgmental space because no, you know, just like no one should ever have to bury their child, no one should ever have to sign a DNR for their child. Um, and so it, it was very, very, very tough. I remember just sitting in the doctor's office, just bawling um, because I didn't want to say it out loud. I knew what I wanted, but I couldn't say it out loud because it meant that I was making a decision on the longevity of Linux's life potentially. And so it was, it was so difficult, but my family has been supportive of that. Now, of course, none of them ever want to have to be in that situation. Um, but, you know, we've all talked about it and, and everyone knows, you know, what, what we feel like is the best, you know, the best scenario for, for Linux. And that's just natural death. That, that had to be very hard to yes, make that yeah. You know, COVID kind of started those discussions a little bit because otherwise we never would have thought about her being in a scenario where that would have happened. And, and to be honest, I don't even know that any of her doctors would have ever brought it to our attention, you know, but it was something because of that, it was like, would we want her vented? Um, you know, because at that point, that's all we knew is you get COVID. If you go to the hospital, you're getting vented. You know, there wasn't a lot of in between at that point. It was a decision and it, it, it was so tough. And it took us weeks and weeks and weeks of discussions um, before we finally signed the paperwork to have that done. And so we just have this, you know, we have this paperwork and, and everybody that watches her and knows about it and all of her doctors know about it. It's not something that we have to continue to talk about with doctors, thank goodness, because I don't know that I could continue to talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. It's a pretty tough situation, but I feel like, you know, for those parents that are having to make that decision, you know, you've got to just make what's, you know, make the decision that's best in your heart. And I think it's really important to, to talk and have open conversations about that before you're in the situation where you have to make it. Emotions are hard. You're just going to think, save my baby. But in reality, that may not be what, you know, is, is what your wishes would be outside of that, you know, the emotional situation. Yeah, that's wise counsel. So clearly yeah. you have your family that is here and they support you and they've been here. It sounds like they come in and they play with Linux and they babysit and they do those kind of things. What about friends and um, the, I guess, work and all of those yeah. kind of things? I'm curious what maybe they do to support you as a family. Yeah. Um, and then what, what would be helpful if, if someone said, hey, what do you need? Would you right. tell them? Um, so for, for us, time away from this, from the house is, is very important for us. So I work from home. So my life is home. And even when I'm not watching Linux, I can still hear her. I can still, you know, I walk in the kitchen and she's there. Or I walk in the living room and she's there. So um, even though I'm working, she's still like in the, my front, my, my vision, right? I mean, she's still like in my, in my daily world. 
Um, and so time away is really important, um, you know, for either that me and my husband or for all three of us um, to kind of get outside of the Linux bubble every once in a while it is really important. And, and, and fun events, things that don't necessarily like are not, you know, not therapy sessions or something where it's like, we're going, you know, going for a medical something or other, but like fun events. And so, you know, those things we always, you know, we always are asking for those things. Um, I think too, a, a big thing that like is, I know it's for any parent, but like house cleaning, <laughs> you know, that to me is like, I walk out, you know, because I, you know, we deal with Linux all day and then she doesn't really sleep that well. So we don't get a lot of sleep. Um, you know, and so, um, you know, just having someone, cause so my, you know, my parents or my family, when they watch, you know, like they'll, they'll clean out a microwave or they'll, you know, clean out syringes. I mean, we, you know, she uses, we give her medicine 15 times a day. Um, you know, so there's just syringes and syringes of medicine, um, you know, that need to be cleaned and, and, and picked up. And, and so those things for, for us are really important. Um, just because, you know, when, when you have your downtime, you want to have downtime, it's not picking up or cleaning or any of those things. And then just family time outside of our home, um, you know, is, is really important for us too. And, and I know that me and my husband both work for great companies. And so you'd mentioned work and, and those kinds of things. And, and we both work for companies that, um, are family owned, which has been really important. And so they've put our, you know, they have helped put our family. So I'm able to be a mom and I'm able to be, you know, an employee outside of the home, um, which I know, you know, that that's really difficult and you don't always get that, but we're just so thankful for that. And so they are very supportive, um, you know, and, and I don't have to worry about the stress of work, um, you know, on, on, should I take care of, to take care of the doctor or do I have to work? You know, I don't have to necessarily navigate that every day. And so that's just so important, you know, that, that work is supportive as well. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's powerful to say that y'all have jobs that are so supportive of you as a family taking care of each other. So, um, it's very impressive. We started the conversation talking about Michael and his stroke that he yeah. had. Um, so I kind of would love to wrap up that piece of it and yeah. find out how he's doing. He's doing how is he yeah. doing? Does he go back to the doctor? Does he still have symptoms? I'm just curious. Yeah. So, um, yeah, on top of Linux being born with all of these crazy, crazy symptoms and crazy diagnosis, um, my husband, you know, had this stroke a couple of days before she was born. Um, you, he had, they basically, when we left the hospital, told us they did not know if he was, he had a stroke or a brain tumor. Um, and so we left the hospital thinking, you know, he's either has a brain tumor or this is a stroke. They couldn't tell it was atypical and so forth. And so oddly enough, he had to have a scan at six months as well. So we were going to his neurologist on a, you know, on, on one day. And then two days later, we went and got an MRI for Linux on, you know, for her six month checkup. Um, and so when they did his six month checkup, it was a stroke. In fact, it was a stroke. And so, um, it wasn't a tumor. And so it was just, oh my gosh, that was such a sign of relief that, you know, he had just had a stroke. They still don't know what caused it. Yes. Yes. I, I never been so happy to hear that you would never have thought that would have been good to hear a stroke. Right. Um, and even the neurologist was like, I don't really get to give new, good news very often, you know, but it was a stroke. And so we're just like, yes, thank you. You know? Uh, so at that point, and really we were six months in with Linux, like any news was good news. I mean, even if it was a stroke, you know, that was good news for us. And so, yeah, he's doing fine. He, you know, he had, you know, all of the symptoms that he had had originally with the stroke are completely fine. 
Um, you know, so he is awesome and, and he is, you know, doing, doing life and, 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 you know, um, you know, being a parent, being a husband and, and it's all been great. I don't know how I would have taken care of both of them had his stroke been debilitating, you know, debilitating. I don't, that would have been, that would have been, this call would be very, very different. <laughs> uh if I was having to do both so uh I'm so you know that's another thing that we're thankful for <laughs> you know yeah. is that he had a stroke and no lingering symptoms so thank goodness for that uh yeah I cannot even even imagine what what life would look like um if, if yeah. it had even a tumor you know and all yeah that. exactly so, exactly so I mean there are there are there are some silver linings to our story you just got to look pretty hard <laughs> I'm glad we can. I'm glad we can end with that piece of it. Yes, um, absolutely. Hey, one of the things I had on the list, you know, I just thought about. I think another thing I hear from parents a lot is, I, I don't, I could never do that. You can do it. You can absolutely do it. Um, it's your kid, and you'll do anything for your kid. And so you can get through it. You will. You will persevere. Um, you might not think you can do it, um, but you can do it, and you will get to the other side. And you can look back and think, I don't know how I survived that, um, but you will. And it, it's the way that we're made as mothers. It's the way we're made as parents. Um, you know, just get to the next day. And if you can't even think about the next day, get to the next hour. Um, you know, that you have short-term goals and, 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 you know, emotionally, you, every, you can do it. You know, that's, that's one thing I would say too, is if people say that to me all the time, I don't know how you do this. I don't know how you got through that time of your life. And it's like, you do it because you have to do, you, you want to survive. I cannot thank you enough for being on our podcast. You have given us a glimpse into Linux's life and your life and, and Tobias and Michael's. And I, I cannot thank you enough for sharing your journey and your story. And I know she's only 21 months old. I really hope that I can have you back, you know, in six months or in a year yeah. and uh, talk about some new transitions because I have a feeling there's always going to be new transitions. In right, life. right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. And that's, and like I said, we, we just don't know what those are going to be yet. So as you know, as our life changes, we'll make adjustments and, and still continue to love her and support her. And, and we appreciate, you know, you know, we appreciate Oklahoma Family Network for allowing us to talk about our daughter um, and, and supporting us. And the Nick, it helped us make it through those five weeks that we were there. So we appreciate what you guys are doing and, and, and allowing us to talk about our sweet Linux. I was going to say, and I know your journey is going to touch a lot of people's hearts and they're going to be going, okay, you know, if Stephanie can make it, I can do it too. So I just appreciate you being so open and so candid and, um, yeah. and just, well, thanks again for letting us be on, letting me be on here and, and, and do all that stuff. So, it, and it's even kind of therapeutic <laughs> to be honest, um, to kind of relive it because we don't tell those stories enough anymore because it's been 21 months and everyone that's in our lives knows, you know, her story. So it is therapeutic to kind of live through it now where I've had some time to heal. Thank you for listening to this episode of We Saved You a Seat. Oklahoma Family Network promotes family-centered care and provides tools so families can make informed decisions, advocate for improved services, build connections among families, and serve as a trusted resource in health care of children and young adults. If you would like to become a supporting family or get in touch with another family, please contact Oklahoma Family Network at oklahomafamilynetwork.org or by calling 405-271-5072.